John chapter 6 and verse 26. Jesus has, just before this, uh, he has fed the 5,000. He's walked on the water. And uh, they're reflecting on this when he gets to the other side. And they're asking him, how did you get here so quickly? Well, he walked on the water. And Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do, so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign, so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of heaven, for the bread of God, is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. So this is one of the great I am sayings that we're reading here. I am the bread of life. When you look at the Gospel of John, there are seven I am sayings. And these are self-disclosures of who Jesus sees himself as. It's not others saying, it's not who do you say I am. But these I am sayings are who Jesus says he is. And so therefore, when you come to one of the I am sayings in the Gospel of John, you should pause and reflect because this is the essential character and mission of who Jesus is. So you have other things like, I am the good shepherd, or I am the door, or I am the way, the truth, and the life, or I am the vine, or I am the resurrection. Pause whenever you get to these I am sayings because it's Jesus giving you the seven most important revelations of who he knows himself to be. So when we read this self-disclosure that I am the bread that came down from heaven or I am the, the bread of heaven, then we need to pause and find out, well, this is a very, very important statement. So what is Jesus speaking to us? Because this is an essential thing for us to understand. It's not just one of his sayings, all of his sayings are important, but this is a saying about himself. I am the bread of heaven, and then I am the bread of life later on. And so, and you see in the background, we know that he has met their physical needs uh, the day before. He's taken the bread, uh, he's prayed for them, and he has fed the 5,000, and they've had more than enough. They even had enough to spare at the end of it. And then they followed him, and when we read this first verse, in verse 26, 
He said, truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because, of you, because you ate of the loaves and filled. What does he mean by that? He's saying that you, you, you follow me and uh, you seek me, but you seek me because I ministered to your material needs, your bodily needs for food. And that's why you're following me around. I don't want to be too provocative today, but I think that there could be quite a few Christians in the Western world that seek God because he provided for their material needs. In fact, you can have whole churches that are built on the philosophy of Jesus meeting your material needs, uh, bringing bread for your material needs. You can have whole conferences on material prosperity of all kinds of things and material success and material wealth where it is God will meet your material needs and people flock from all over the world to these conferences to meet the Jesus that meets their material needs. As I said, preachers have built strong, well, I don't know if they are strong, but large churches on this message that Jesus will meet every material need you have, more than enough. Uh, you can have the best. He'll give you the best life now. Well, there's a truth in that. Jesus will meet our needs, uh, but not our greeds. And, and here the people were following him because they wanted their material needs to be met. As I said, there's nothing wrong to ask the Lord to meet your material needs. But there is something wrong if that becomes the prime reason that you follow him, not a secondary reason, but the prime reason to follow him or the only reason that you follow him or the only message that basically comes out of a pulpit or the only conference that you're interested in going to where Jesus meets your physical need, material need in whatever way. And Jesus says, look, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but you ate of the loaves and were filled. You got a free meal, and that's why you came out the next day. And he's saying you didn't see what the signs were pointing to. In John's Gospel, the miracles are labeled signs. And again, in John's Gospel, we don't have uh, a whole sort of, uh, just a myriad of, of all the sort of miracles that he did. John selects by the Holy Spirit certain miracles that he calls signs. And often these miracles called signs have a sermon attached to them. So Jesus is now going to give them a sermon on the fact that he fed them with bread miraculously. These sermons have a significance that is, sorry, these signs or miracles have a significance that's far out of proportion to the material need that they, that they meet. So when Jesus turns the water into wine, it met the material need of a wedding. But it was far more significant than that. He was speaking about a new covenant replacing an old covenant. Uh, when he healed the man who had been born, born blind, uh, he met the man's physical need. But that miracle or sign had far more importance because it spoke about the fact that I am the light of the world, and he'd come to illuminate the darkness of human hearts. You see what I, you can see that with every miracle sign in John's gospel. So here he says, You follow me for material things, 
and not because you understand the sign, and you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now, he begins to explain what that sign or miracle was talking about. They followed him because of natural bread. But then he says, don't work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures till eternal life. You know, we work for food, don't we? Uh, We work for more than that. But basically, we work so that we can put food on the table because we need to nourish our physical lives. Well, Jesus is saying, basically, that these truths are parallel. We work for the food that perishes. You keep it in a fridge. You have it till the use-by date. uh, And then you can't use it anymore because it's perishing. Jesus says there's a parallel. There is a food which endures to eternal life. In other words, there is a food that that never has a sell-by date on it. And he says, this is the food that you should work for and which the Son of Man can give you. Work for eternal food. What does he mean, work for eternal food? Well, he's speaking about feeding your soul. There's many a full, satisfied stomach that has in its home, in its body, a starving soul. Or there's many pampered bodies that are home to starving souls. And so just as people need to feed their bodies with physical nourishment, he'd just done that the day before with the bread and the fish. Now he's saying that there is a different nourishing, a different nourishing that is needed for your soul, but it's similar to the fact that you need nourishment for your body. They were following Jesus for nourishment for their body. He was now taking them to a higher level to say, don't you realize there's something even more important to nourish yourself with than food for the body? It's a food that will not perish, and it's a food that is eternal. And this is the food that I'm going to give to you. They then turn around and say, well, show us a sign that you can nourish us spiritually with this eternal food. Uh, And what are the works of God that we should gain this spiritual nourishment that you're talking about? Well, the work that nourishes you with this spiritual eternal food, Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Now, that is a powerful statement. In other words, if they had nourished their bodies the day before by physical bread provided by a miracle by Jesus, how were they to nourish their souls? Well, they were to nourish their souls by faith. Faith nourishes your soul. Faith is the work that nourishes your soul. Like I said, you can be physically nourished and spiritually starving. And I want to talk about this a little bit more in a few moments. But just to say, so believing in him who is sent, what does that mean? Just believing that he came? No, it means believing in him. It means believing in his word. It means believing that his opinions are correct, the opinions of Jesus. It means that he really did die on the cross 
and rise again, believing in that. It means believing that he's in heaven right now, interceding for us. Believing that he hears our prayers. Believing that he fulfills his promise. He is the promise keeper as well as the miracle worker. Believing that he's trustworthy. Believing that to follow him and to turn your back on the world is a positive thing to do. And so faith is putting your trust in Jesus and in his word and applying these things in your life. And when you do that, you begin to nourish your soul or you begin to nourish your spirit. Spirit, soul, it's all really about nourishing your inner man. So if we want to be nourished spiritually, if we want to grow strong on the inside, we've got to believe God. It's not enough to be a moral Christian. Well, I don't do that. That's wrong. But, and I do that, and that's charitable, and I come to church, and I sing the songs and, and everything like that. But without faith, without trusting God, believing God, then it won't nourish you. You could sing all the songs tonight and not get nourished by one of them. Or you could sing five minutes of faith, believing and worshipping Jesus, not just by the words, but believing those words, believing that they're true and you are feeding, you're nourishing yourself on him. You know, in the Anglican Church of England communion, there is a point during the communion where the uh, leader, the, the minister says, Feed on him by faith. Feed on him by faith. It's a beautiful phrase because it's so true. How do you feed on Jesus? They're going to get mixed up uh, later on in this passage because he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part in me. And the disciples even say, this is a hard saying. And a whole bunch of people that followed him for the, for the bread that he provided the day before turned their back on him because they couldn't make the transition from Jesus meet my material needs to Jesus, I need to feed on you to meet my spiritual needs that are far more important than even my physical needs. They didn't discern how starving they were on the inside. They were just looking for the next miracle healing, the next miracle provision uh, that would meet their material and temporal needs. So they said, well, what? give us a sign, isn't it? Isn't it bizarre? Always asking for signs. They'd had a miracle feeding the day before, and now Jesus is talking about the fact that there is an eternal food, and they're saying, well, can we have another sign, please? And he said, look, you've, you've had signs. And they say, look, we had a sign from heaven. Our fathers in the wilderness had manna from heaven. Again, they're thinking carnally. They're thinking again about how in the wilderness, God provided their physical needs by manna. Every morning, God provided enough manna for the day. It was bread from heaven, and they took that bread, and they ate that bread, and they were physically nourished. And so we've got two levels of conversation going on here. We've got the people who are just materially focused, physically focused, and Jesus, who is speaking at a higher level, a more important level, he's speaking about the spiritual level of nourishing. He cares about their physical needs. He just fed 5,000 of them. But he's trying to help them make a transition from the physical to the spiritual. Again, if you're reading John's gospel, you'll find this again and again and again. 
that Jesus speaks spiritually, but the people only hear him naturally. So uh, Nicodemus, how can a man climb back into his mother's womb and be born again? It's like, hello, Nicodemus. He's speaking spiritually again and again and again throughout John's gospel. Jesus is speaking of spiritual things and they're only hearing him physically. So Jesus says, look, The manna that came out from heaven, it wasn't Moses, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they say, Lord, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life. You know, one of the temptations that Jesus had in Matthew chapter 4 verse 3 by the devil was linked to this bread. Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil after his baptism, he was physically starving. He'd been 40 days and nights without food. Can you imagine that? And uh, he was physically starving. And one of the devil's devil's temptations was for him to use his spiritual power to meet his physical need. It was really a a temptation to be like a magician or something like that. And he says, turn if you are the son of God. Prove that you are by meeting your, your physical need right now and turn these stones into bread. And uh, Jesus answered, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that is proceeding out of the mouth of God. That is such a profound statement that he's saying there. He didn't say that man doesn't eat, doesn't live by bread, but he said that man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Uh, and this, this uh, comes from the, um, this quote that Jesus is, is quoting comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 which is speaking about the manna and in that Deuteronomy section it's saying look God allowed you to go hungry in the wilderness so he could provide you the manna so that you would trust in him and it was God that spoke the manna into being so man does not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God so here again we've got a feeding we where you have Physical bread that nourishes you, you need it. But also there is a spiritual bread and that bread is God's word, God's living word for today. Sometimes people will talk about uh, fresh living bread for the day and they'll talk about uh, what Bible reading that you're doing or a devotional and that's your daily bread. In fact, uh, for a number of years I followed a daily devotion uh, with, with devotions for each day in a little booklet I used to buy from the bookshop, and it was called Daily Bread. And so there's daily bread that we need for the body, but there is also, even more importantly, which is hard for the physical man to understand, but even more importantly, there is a spiritual daily bread that we must take, and it is the Word of God proceeding it, it's, it's, when it, the, the reason this is important that it's not, but on every word that God has said in the past, it's every word that is proceeding, present tense, out of the mouth of God. The proceeding is important because it's present tense. 
In other words, it's freshly bread, fresh bread just out of the oven. You know, have you ever had fresh bread just out of the oven? Does any, anybody here make, anybody make bread? Some of you make, make bread? Uh, or or if, if you go somewhere and you go to the bakery and they've they baked fresh bread and you get it right out of the bread, it's so fresh. And, when, and, and you, you, you eat it and you just say, this is amazing. But by the end of the day, it's starting to get a bit stale, isn't it? So you want the now bread. You want the fresh bread, the freshest bread that you can get right out of the bakery if possible. Nothing tastes like it. Nothing nourishes like it. Well, Jesus understands that. They understand that. Bread was their staple diet. That's what they fed on. They may have had other things, but they certainly didn't have our Tesco's and Aldi's and all these aisles of different foods and different flavors. It was bread. And maybe a few vegetables and a, a chicken if you were lucky. Lucky. Uh, and not even KFC, if that is indeed chicken. But they, they took... So he understood that. So when he says proceeding, he's talking about a fresh nourishment of the Word of God that can be broken in many forms, can't it? You could be reading the Word of God. You could be reading a good book explaining the Word of God. You could be singing the Word of God. You could be hearing preaching. You could be together meditating and praying the Word of God in a cell group. And so this is how we take the bread of God's word, and we break it, and it really does nourish. You really do need the word of God proceeding, coming out of God's oven for that day, for that situation. You can't live on last year's word. You can grow in truth that you've learned over a period of time, but you need something fresh, something that's there for you. And you know what it's like when you get fresh bread from God's word? It could come in a sermon. It could come with someone just praying for you. It could become in your daily devotions. But something comes and you feel fed, you feel nourished, you feel strengthened to go out during the day. People say that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, isn't it? Because that breakfast will fuel you through the day. Well, we also need our inner man, our spiritual man, if I can use that phrase, to be nourished daily and weekly so that we can be strong. Because just as if you're weak physically, you won't be able to get through the day. So if you are weak spiritually, you'll be even less able to get through the day. The problem is, before we came to Christ, we were so spiritually starved, we didn't know any different. We may have been physically nourished and physically well and taken all our vitamins, but before we knew Christ, we, we, were, we were spiritually dead in our sins and transgressions. We had no idea how hungry we were for salvation. And then when we become a Christian, sometimes we still don't realize how spiritually starving we are. It's one of those things that the more you feed on Christ, the, the hungrier you become. You know, the more you, 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 you press into the Lord, the more you, the more you hunger for righteousness, the more you seek the Lord, the more you seek the Lord. It's a principle. But then the less you seek the Lord, 
the less you seek the Lord. It's like a spiral. You're either spiraling up, the more you seek him, the more you seek him, the, the more you worship him, the more you want to worship him, the more you know him, the more, more you want to know him, the more you pray, the more you pray. But you've got to watch it because the less you pray, the less you want to pray, the less you worship, the less you want to worship, the less you come to hear God's word on a Sunday evening or, or, or on a Sunday, the less you want to, the less you go to cell group, the less you do. And it's like this. So in your life, I can tell you right now, you're either doing this or you're doing this. Well, the fact that you're here tonight is a good indication to me that you're doing this. No, it is. Or you wouldn't be out. Who would come out tonight unless they were, weren't hungry enough to come out in, in, in the dark? So that, that, that's a good sign. And you seem very pleased that I said that. So that, that's good. So, so this manner. But this physical manner that they had every day did not satisfy them. In fact, they got fed up with the manna, didn't they? They were having manna fritters and manna burgers and manna steaks and manna porridge and manna pasta and manna strudel and manna. Oh, they got fed up with manna. I'm sick of this manna. It was keeping them alive, but they were sick of this manna. And so they went to God and they said, we're sick of this manna. So he gave them quail. So they had quail barbecue. They had quail lasagna. They had every type of quail you could believe, and they got sick of that. You see, the problem was, is that wasn't the diet that they were meant to have. Uh, they were on a bread and water diet in the wilderness, weren't they, for 40 years. That's what prisoners used to have, bread and water. But God hadn't destined them for a bread and water encounter. He had promised them milk and honey. Milk and honey. And again, in the Old Testament, the natural is speaking of the spiritual. So God had promised them physical milk and honey for their body if they went into the promised land and believed God for their spiritual inheritance, correct? A land flowing with milk and honey. A land full of wonderful vineyards and fruit and, and, and animals and herds. A beautiful promised land. All you have to do is feed on me by faith. Trust my promises. Nourish yourself in worship and faith. And go into the promised land and you will have the best. That was the promise. But of course, they were spiritually malnourished. In fact, they were spiritually starving and they refused the nourishment that comes with believing God. They refused to believe him. They, they, they moaned, they, they complained. All of it was unbelief. They refused to feed. They refused to believe God. They were spiritually starving. And in the end, uh, that also, uh, God also judged them in their physical life. They had bread and water when they could have had so much more. Do you remember Paul speaking to the Corinthians? I spoke about this um, last Sunday morning. And uh, he comes to them in chapter 1 or 2. And he says to them, you know... <laughs> I should be feeding you meat by now. But instead, you're so immature spiritually that I have to bring you milk. Do you remember that? It was meant to be giving them meat, the meat of God's word. But they were so immature, he could only give them milk. The picture was that, that they weren't, like, like a baby's not mature enough to be weaned. 
that you can't give them meat, they would just spit it out. So the Corinthians were so spiritually immature that they couldn't be nourished on the really nutritious, high-level vitamin, high-protein uh, food that, that you could get. You know all those things that all these people drinking milkshakes all the time. And they're not from McDonald's. Or they're drinking green stuff. Christian Lithe was drinking green stuff. He'd made it at home and he brought it in. And I said, what's that? It looks like uh, uh, liquidized grass. And, he's, uh, and I took a smell of it. It was disgusting. But he promised me that it was nutritious and, uh, and, and, and good for him. But, but these Corinthians were malnourished spiritually, malnourished, because they were only taking milk. And it was like, no, you, you, you need to be having more nourishment, more protein, more whatever. In, in your spiritual life, you're not going to survive on milk alone. You need more. And I wanted to bring you some steak. I wanted to cook you some lovely steamed vegetables. I wanted to give you some, some fresh pasta. I wanted to give you all these things to build you up and make you strong so that when you go out into life, you've got a strength that comes from God. You know what it's like when you're really, really hungry. Have you ever, ever been hungry where you feel a little bit faint? I have to be a bit careful because I'm a diabetic. And so I have to watch myself because... If my bloods go too low, and I'm not aware, I can get a little bit dizzy, a little bit, woo. In fact, if, if I start getting a little bit, woo, then Nicola says, have you checked your bloods lately? Uh, and, and so I have to watch it. And then, you know, I have to be careful. And there's, there's a couple of times when I'm feeling a little bit dizzy, and then I check, check my, uh, my blood, and I'm, I'm way down, and then I panic, and I stuff about three Mars bars in my mouth. Because I don't, I don't have the sugar there. Well, in our life, it's not just about sugar, but in our life, in our spiritual life, as in our physical life, if you're not feeding yourself, if you're not feeding yourself, you will spiritually faint. Just all truth is parallel. I know it because Morris Torello said it. All truth is parallel. It really is. And if, if you don't nourish yourself spiritually you will faint in the spiritual things of life. You won't survive. You'll faint at work. You won't be able to cope. You won't be strong enough and mature. You won't be able to deal when the test comes your way. They'll just knock you down like a feather because you're not properly nourished. But if you're nourished and you keep nourishing and you grow and you begin to be able to feed on the deep things of God, and uh, that the steak that God wants to give you, then you will have a concentrated energy that comes into your life. And all of these ways of feeding on the Lord, worship and study and preaching and Bible reading and fellowshipping in small groups and all, the, all these things which are different ways of taking your spiritual meal, all of them really are just ways of feeding on Jesus. It's Jesus that's behind this. And this is why he says later on in John 6, uh, 48. 48. Again, he says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. 
I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The last point I want to make out of this is that when Jesus is speaking about being the bread of life, he's speaking in terms of satisfaction. Satisfaction. And so we can look at Jesus talking about work for the bread of life, of what will satisfy you spiritually in this life. And people are on a quest for satisfaction. Not, not just satisfaction of meeting their basic nourishment. Unfortunately, there's still places in the world where people are just trying to just get enough food in their bodies just to survive and they're physically malnourished. But spiritual nourishment is also the quest for satisfaction. Have you ever had a lovely meal? Uh, maybe even had two portions or something of it. And at the end, a lovely pudding. And at the end of it, you're satisfied. Not over, you didn't overeat, but you're satisfied. And you just think, oh, that was such a satisfying meal. You're satisfied. And if someone says, would you like some more? You say, no, I'm satisfied. Wouldn't it be lovely to experience satisfaction in life at higher levels? People are talking about how, you know, in the world or, or out there in the rat race, that, people, that there's very little satisfaction there. That everybody's trying to get more status, uh, more money, more this, more the other. And this quest for, for being filled, really, for being spiritually satisfied with life is, 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 is what people are hungering for. Well, Jesus did say in that former passage, didn't, didn't he? He said, uh, do not work for the food which perishes, but the food which endures to eternal life. And then they say in verse 28, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? And he says, this is the work of God that you believe in me. In other words, they're saying, well, what shall we do to get this bread that satisfies, where shall we find it? And so Jesus is saying that if you work for eternal food, you'll be satisfied. Now, again, this is my last point. But do you remember, I won't turn to it, do you remember when Jesus was speaking in terms of living water? Whoever drinks from the well or the water that I give them will never drink again. And who was he speaking to? The Samaritan woman. And she was seeking satisfaction in her life relationally. She was on a, she'd had five husbands and the one that she with wasn't her husband. She was insatiable for a relationship that would satisfy. And Jesus said, hey, what you need is to be satisfied with the water that I will give you. But that's not my point. The disciples came because they'd been out to buy some food. And they said to him, would you like some food? And he said, I have food of which you know not. And again, like most of the people in John's gospel, they were thinking physically. He was speaking spirit. I have food of which you know not. So they discussed among themselves what manner of food uh, would he have had, seeing as they had gone to get the shopping from Tesco's and who would have given him the food. So they were in this conversation. But Jesus, who had just ministered and brought this woman to the Lord and the whole village had come to the Lord, he said, I'm satisfied. Jesus had had food 
that they knew not of. They thought he meant physical food, but he was speaking of the food that satisfies. So as well as talking about Jesus being the bread of life, the bread of, that satisfies, the real thing that nourishes you and satisfies you in life is serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. Have, have you ever done something for the Lord and be satisfied? I don't, know, I, I don't know if you've ever won a soul to the Lord. If you have, I can't think of anything. I mean, really can't think of anything more satisfying than seeing someone come to Christ and have their sins forgiven. I mean, you go away and you think life's worth it. You're satisfied at that moment because you have seen the kingdom work done. Someone's come, into the, come to the Lord. Oh, that, that to me is the ultimate in satisfaction. But, but helping someone closer to Jesus... Praying for someone, discipling someone, and seeing them grow and flourish and become more like Jesus and less like the world is satisfying. Or in your life, seeing God becoming stronger in your life and, and, and seeing things that, that, that of the old life begin to have less effect on you and in you and through you. And know that, that, that you can say, hey... I've seen growth in the last week and growth in the last month. I've changed in the last month. I've changed in the last year. I've changed even in the last week. To be able to say that, to be able to notice in yourself or others, growth is in the Lord and the things of the Lord is so satisfying. You know, sometimes it's hard to pray, but when you really pray and connect with God, about an issue, even if that issue has not yet been solved in, in, uh, in, your, in your circumstance, you prayed it through. You might have to pray it through again tomorrow, but you prayed it through and you come out satisfied. Prayer brings a satisfaction. Or someone treats you unkindly, but you exhibit the fruit of love and you treat them kindly back. You go away a little bit hurt, but satisfied that you went the way of the Lord. Have you ever gone God's way? Or someone's trying to, to make you blur the edges of following Jesus in a business deal or a moral situation. And you're tempted and, and it'd be so easy just to give in. And, it's not a, and you give all the excuses why. But in the end, you say, no, I'm going the way of the Lord. And you go away and there's a sense of satisfaction, not, not pharisaical satisfaction, but a sense, I'm glad I did it God's way. Or you're under pressure and, and you just keep believing God. You just keep doing what you know to be right. And then you come out of it the other end and you say, I'm satisfied. This is the key to satisfaction. People running left, right and center, usually for material satisfaction or philosophical satisfaction. Or something human, some human psychological satisfaction like yoga or something like that. They're looking everywhere for what the world can give to satisfy. But satisfaction comes from knowing the Lord deeper and serving him. That's where nourishment comes. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Maybe some of us are thinking, hmm, I hadn't thought about this nourishment well, I've thought about it today, afresh. And that's just what I'm doing. I'm just trying to bless you and bring you to a place. 
How is your inner person? How's your spirit and soul? You look at yourself, people are so health conscious these days. How am I physically? I need a physical checkup. How am I doing? Well, how's my nutritional value of what I'm eating? All these things is good, is good. But how, how about we take as much care, some of us, over our, bod, over our souls as we do our bodies? So I'm asking you now, how are you spiritually nourishing yourself? Not living on bread alone, but how are you living on the Word of God? How are you getting your nourishment? How are you feeding yourself on a daily basis with all these avenues with which God can feed you? And also, what are the satisfaction levels in your life right now? Satisfa- satisfactions. What drives you? What, what are your drivers? Looking at the world, what are you looking for? And where are you looking for satisfaction of your soul? You're hungry for something. Could it be that some of the things that were said today will reorientate your focus on where to be satisfied by following Jesus, etc., etc.?